Season 2, Sportsology the Podcast. Very excited to be back. I hope you have been doing well. I hope everything is well. I'm very excited to be releasing this short season. Short season. But don't worry, I will be releasing some good episodes, some great guests coming on. And today, we actually have Tim Peel, NHL official, retired, but still a great man, great conversation. Um, everything that was talked about from, you know, uh, having to deal with COVID in the NHL and also just, you know, hockey in general, having a good conversation, loved every part of it, interesting stories. I really hope you enjoy it. This is Zach Staden. Let's get into it. start off the podcast can you tell all the listeners a bit about yourself and just kind of introduce yourself sure um i refereed in the i'm from I'm, i was born in toronto grew up in new brunswick actually uh refereed minor hockey down there started when i was 13 14 years old and uh then started working in the american hockey league just as a local linesman in the maritimes back then and then things kind of took off for me in 1996. I moved to Toronto for the company that I worked for and got into the OHL. And just like uh, players, the NHL scouts, officials uh, in the junior ranks in Canada and in the U.S. And uh, I was fortunate enough that uh, in 1998, I was hired by the NHL and then just retired at the end of last season after 23 years. So it was a lot of fun and had a great career and enjoyed it and a lot of good memories and a lot made a lot of good friends out of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, being able to even ref in the NHL is, you know, it's a great honor, right? I mean, it, being able to do something that you love to do and having fun doing it, that's always a great time. Uh, no, I grew up, I grew up like any Canadian Zach in New Brunswick and, and playing hockey, you know, from an early age, from four or five years old. And obviously, uh, like every Canadian had dreamt about making it to the NHL as a player. And then uh, once I realized that I wasn't good enough to, the, you know, to play in the NHL, um, for whatever reason, refereeing just kind of got in my blood and I really enjoyed it. And uh, so it kind of took off and I'm like, you know what, I think I can do this for a living. And uh, so I attended a lot of camps and just worked a lot of games, you know, worked four or five, six games every week and, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, did all the leagues to be international hockey league, the American hockey league, senior hockey, junior hockey, and then uh, was, was lucky enough that they hired me in 1998. Yeah. I mean, um, it must have been pretty hard to, you know, call it a career after uh, you said it was last year. And, you know, everyone knows how, how things ended with me, but uh, I was set to retire four weeks after my incident on the hot mic. And uh, my last game was going to be, uh, was going to be um, April 24th in St. Louis. And ironically, I wasn't even supposed to work last season. I had signed a four-year contract and was supposed to retire the year before. And Stephen Walkham, the director of officiating, approached me uh, during what was supposed to be my final season and, uh, and asked me if I'd come back for one more year uh, to work with the younger guys. But the last two years, you know, I, I got married later in life. I had kids later in life. And uh, Bronson, my boy, is nine. 
big hockey player. My daughter's uh, she'll be eight in a few days. And the last couple of years, I really, um, even though I still enjoyed the job, I really, it tore me up being on the road. You know, I was on the road traveling 23, 24 days out of the month and, you know, 10, 12, 14 day road trips and being away from my kids and my wife. It just, uh, the last two years, I knew it was, it was time to pack it in and move on to the next chapter of my life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, talking about the mental toll of, you know, not being able to know like when you're going to go back home and see your family. Right. Cause you know, you could be for days on end, right. You, you don't know, they could call you back up or some, something like that. So it's, it's definitely a, it's, it's, it's mentally draining for sure. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. No. And it's funny you bring up the mental side of it because especially the last two years dealing with COVID, you know, our guys, the big, a big, one of the, the best part of parts of my job was, hanging out with the crew on game day and, and days off and traveling together and getting together for dinner the night before the game and having a few beers and just telling stories. And, and uh, you know, some of these guys that I refereed with are my best friends. I've, I've worked with them for some of them, but they're dating back to the OHL. So for 25 years, so um, you know, Derek Amell and Brad Kovacic and, and Chris Rooney and these guys that have been around for a long time, they're my buddies. And, and the last two years, we weren't able to have lunch together. We couldn't travel together. We normally, we would rent a car and the four of us would go to the rink together. And because of COVID, we had to take separate vehicles. We couldn't get together after the game and have a couple beers and, you know, shoot about the game and about life and our families and just be normal people it's ironic that that you brought up the mental side of it because my my last season I was in Colorado and I had a game there Tuesday Thursday Saturday I was there for three games and and because of COVID we we were working a lot of games a lot more games in back-to-back cities we were working games in back-to-back cities the the three games that I had in Colorado uh, after the first game, they got a huge snowstorm. They had to bring the National Guard in. So talk about, because of COVID, there was not a gym at our at our hotel. So the first day that I got there, I went out for a run and ran around the city and, and just, you know, it was good for your, I wanted to get a workout in. And then, and then for the next five days in the city, I couldn't go for a walk because of the snow. I couldn't work out. I'll, I'm being completely honest. All you, all you did is you sat in your room and you, you know, you drank by yourself. And I remember the third game that I had there in Colorado. I just wasn't myself, and I'm usually the type of guy. I'm always uh, telling stories, and I'm, a, I'm the outgoing guy and telling jokes and having fun in the dressing room. And I wasn't, I was depressed. And so it was funny because I had uh, the three guys that I worked with about five days later, I was working with them in, in Florida. And before the game, we were talking and I said to them, I said, guys, I apologize. I said, my last game that I worked with you guys, I said, I think I was depressed. You know, imagine you weren't, we, we couldn't go to a restaurant. We couldn't, we couldn't, you, you couldn't leave your hotel room because of COVID and you couldn't socialize with anybody. And, and I said to them, you know, I, I was depressed my last game there. And so it's taken a toll on a lot of our guys and, 
And uh, just when I thought things were getting back to normal, you know, we've got all these restrictions now in Canada again and no fans at the building. And, and uh, you know, it's tough. I worked with no fans in the building and it sucks. It sucks. It's, it's, not, it's not any fun at all. Yeah, the mental aspect is definitely a huge part of, uh, of what's going on with our guys. Well, I mean, like, like I said earlier, you know, you can only imagine them the toll it takes on you right you do your job for so long and then all of a sudden it just changes just like that like you don't know what's going to happen the game could get canceled you know uh god forbid you could get covid you, you don't know like you you could you could be sick and then you don't work everything that you usually do like you said you usually go out you're with your buddies and you can't do that anymore and you're always you're always kind of like on edge of what not to do and what to do because you could get in trouble or something could happen so you know talking about being able to you know, reset and be mentally ready for a game because, you know, you always have to be doing your job. It, it, it definitely speaks volumes of what you're saying and, and how it affected you. And, you know, I appreciate you sharing that and saying it. But it's April 17th, 2002. Coyotes versus Sharks, your first game in the playoffs as an official. What was it like to be in that atmosphere, to be in front of the fans, loud? Because especially in the playoffs, like, one call missed could be like be the end, like everybody's on your back. What what is that like? Yeah, it was a big thrill. You know, I remember that game vividly, and I was really nervous before the game. I didn't want to screw up the game and and make a call that that determined the outcome of the game. And and uh, it's funny because Wayne Gretzky was actually coaching back then. He was coaching the uh, the Arizona there back then. They were the Phoenix Coyotes. So, you know, that was a big thrill having Gretz on the, on the bench and him and I have become friends since then. And, but I was nervous, you know, I remember the national anthem, my left leg wouldn't keep shit, wouldn't stop. Just kept shaking, shaking, shaking. And then first stop at your play, I'm down by the net and I'm getting ready for a face off and that same leg shaking again. And I just, I couldn't control my nerves. And then about three, four, five minutes into the game, I called my first penalty. And then it was like, everything was okay. Everything was good. I, I was in that comfort zone now after calling my first penalty, I felt good. And, uh, but no, there was definitely a lot of nerves and, and that's only really happened a couple times where I was really nervous before a game, whether it's a playoff game, uh, uh, winter classic game, you know, I was fortunate enough to work in the Olympics and work the bronze medal game. And, and so throughout your career, you revert back to, okay, I've done this before. I'm comfortable. And our guys don't get nervous. They get more excited. Uh, they're pumped up. Let's go. Let's go to work. You're like, let's have a good game. There's nothing better than working a playoff game. And, and you're coming out of that tunnel at the, and, at the Bell Center in Montreal. And you've got 20,000 fans waving a white towel. And you're like, this is awesome. This is, this is why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. It's the best feeling in the world. And it's a lot of fun. That would be probably a dream. Like, being able to be there but not just be there be on the ice and you know be controlling the game as it goes as it plays calling plays right penalties and you know you talked about having kind of like a reset moment there you called your first penalty and everything was you know cool calm and collected or at least better than it was before right it's kind of like a refocus type situation where if you do one thing right for some for goalies it's like making that first save or like for players it's taking that first shot laying a hit right we're all the same with being able to you know, just get comfortable, reset, and just have a good game. And I, I think that was great. Now you mentioned that, right? You you kind of had to like think about it, be like, okay, I've done this before, and now I can do this again. All right, there we go. 
But one thing you did mention was that you worked in the Olympics, which I think is so cool. Take us through that, getting there, going to those games. Is it different from the NHL? How different is it? What is it like? Yeah, no, that was a big thrill, Zach. I remember when I found out I had been chosen to work the Olympics and flying over to Russia. We were on a charter plane with uh, a lot of the media, uh, the coaching staff from the U.S. Olympic team. And then all the officials were on the on the plane. And, you know, I was lucky enough. I, I worked with Derek Amell, probably my best friend on staff, Brad Kovacic, Greg Dvorsky, Kelly Sutherland, just Lonnie Cameron, all these guys that that we had come up together. And now here we are. We're on a private plane. We're on Mark Cuban's plane, actually flying over over to Russia and and then getting there. And, you know, I remember seeing the, the, the flame and I've got some great pictures um, and seeing, getting pictures taken in front of the flame and, and thinking to myself, man, like you grew up in a town of a thousand people in New Brunswick and here you are at the Olympics. It was really, uh, surreal to be, to be honest. And then my games went well in the tournament and I was fortunate enough to get picked to, to work the, uh, the bronze medal game between Finland and, and the U S and a funny story because Finland hadn't won a medal in, in a few years and Timu Solani, it was going to be his last Olympics. I called two penalty shots in USA's favor in the first period. And that usually doesn't happen where you have two penalty shots in one period, let alone in favor of one team. And Timu came over and he was just losing it on me. And, you know, you're, you're, I I can't even say what he said. And if it was a normal NHL game, I either would have given an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, I would have kicked him out of the game, whatever. I would have dealt with it. But I I knew the importance of this game. It was on television worldwide. It was Timu Solani, the most... Uh, decorated uh, Finnish player to ever play in the National Hockey League. And I knew I had to suck it up. I had to suck it up. I couldn't give him a penalty. And Finland came back and won the game. And afterwards, in the Olympic Village, the hotel we were staying at, Team Finland came back to the hotel and Timu came over and was hugging me. and, And, you know, everything was, it was funny how, Five hours earlier, he was ready to kill me, and now he's hugging me until the sun came up. And and uh, but it was a tremendous experience, and one you know I feel I feel terrible. Like Doug Armstrong's a good friend of mine, and for him not to be able to be the GM of the Olympic team and and uh, would be another feather in his in his Hall of Fame career. Uh, Steven Stamkos, who missed the Olympics in '14 because of injury, then we didn't go in '18 probably would have been picked this year Jordan Bennington a goalie that would have been on the team this year that who knows in four years he may not he may not be picked a lot of guys that had it would have to represent their country and they're not going to be able to I feel terrible for them and then you on the flip side you talk about the officials that we're going to go this year and the officials that we're going to go in 2018 Gordy Dwyer Wes McCauley um, Francis Sharon, uh, Dan O'Rourke, some really, really good officials. And who knows if they're ever going to get a chance to work the Olympics. So I never thought that doing the Olympics back in 2014, that this was going to be the last time in, in maybe 10, 12 years that, that we're going to have winter Olympics. It's really unconscionable to, to think about it. So 
it was a lot of fun and, and you know a memory that I will always have and that I'm very grateful um Stephen Walken was the boss back then and he picked me to go to the Olympics and I'm forever forever grateful to him for giving me that up uh, that opportunity because it was just a memory that I'll have for the rest of my life yeah obviously something surreal as that being able to go and then talking about how it might not even happen for you know such a long time you, like you said you feel for the players that don't be able to go because uh someone like Steven Stamkos right um, he's been pretty fortunate in the last two years to win two cups, but you look back at his career, right? You, injuries are just not picked. And then this year probably would have been picked, but you just, you didn't get it. Right. And, and that's, that's what, that's what kind of sucks about everything that's happening right now is, um, you know, people are losing out on opportunities that you may have not been able ever to have, you know, talk about players, referees, uh, coaches, GMs, right. It, it, it affects everybody in, in some way and somehow, whether it's your first or your second or whatever it is, right. Being able to go to the Olympics is a privilege, right. And it's like, as you've said, you've, you've done that experience, you've lived it and it's, you know, something small to say it's a fun time. Right. So missing out on that is a, um, well, it's not a fun time. It's no. it's, it's not a fun time at all. So I, I do feel for the, for the players that don't get to go and, um, you know, same as the referees and, you know, everybody that's involved in that too. So, uh, definitely, um, you know, hope that they can get back into it in any, any way they can. But what is something you do to prepare yourself for big nights for like, like big games, like you're going into it, right? Say it's the playoffs. How do you prepare yourself before stepping onto the ice? So in the playoffs, we, we, you, you referee logistically, you just can't do it in the regular season where you work with the same guy. It's just, there's too many games uh, spread out over too big of an area. It's just impossible to do. But in the playoffs, you work with the same ref uh, for each round. So in the first round, I'd work with, for example, Chris Rooney, and we would work every playoff game together in the first round. Before the game that night, usually in the morning or just after lunch, we have a meeting with the four officials and the series supervisor uh, that's assigned to that series. So for example, it could be a Don Koharski, who was a former ref, and he's a supervisor of the Islanders Capital Series. So he's watched every game. He knows what's been going on, how many penalties there are, what the tendencies are, the players. And, and we've watched almost every game too, but obviously if you're working, you can't watch every game every night. So that day, before the game, we'll we'll have a meeting with the series supervisor, and he'll uh, outline and go over what's gone on in the series so far, and not to not so that we go in with where we're prejudging certain players or what they're going to do and what their tendencies are, but just to make us aware of what's gone on in the series, whether there's been some bad hits, uh, goalie interference, where you know. Um, certain teams are crashing the net and, and, and Don Koharski says, Hey, I, we need you to protect the goalies. You know, they've been bumped into a couple times and, and we need you to, to, you know, protect the blue paint. And so we'll prepare that way, you know, in, in the morning, we'll have a good workout at the, at the gym by ourselves, um, have lunch together. I know it sounds kind of silly, but we have a pregame nap. Players do because, you know, we're going to work at seven o'clock at night. You know, our day starts at, at five o'clock when we leave for the rink. We'll get there an hour and a half before the game, two hours before the game. Stretch a lot, warm up, get the body going, ride the bike, get a good sweat on. So 
you know, a lot of people think, oh, the refs just show up and throw their gear on and, and get out there on the ice. And that's not how it works at all. There's a lot of mental preparation, um, being focused, making sure there's, there's, you know, you could have things going on at home, back home and with, with your family and kids, and you've got to shut out all that outside noise and, and focus on just the game and that task in hand, which is, which is doing the best possible job you can do that night. And, and the way to do that is to be properly prepared both mentally and physically. Yeah, I, I, I agree for sure. Um, one thing you mentioned there was being able to do like, you know, the best job you can each and every night. Have you ever had a time where you, you call the play and you just feel like tremendously bad because you know that that, that could have that just like, you know, game's done because of that. Or you, you call a penalty and then maybe like 10 seconds later, boom, goal, game's over. Have you ever had that moment? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it happens. I don't want to say a lot in your career, but there's going to be nights where, you know, you're just, you, you work 80 games a year just like the players they're not on the top they're not on top of their game every night and it's the same thing with the officials you might you know you might be sick with the flu you've got a head cold you're just not you're tired you know it's the last game I, I'll, I'll never forget if I had a seven eight ten day uh, road trip and I would always say my last game would be my most difficult because I knew I was getting on a plane the next morning and flying home and I had to keep keep focused and and I would personally and I know a lot of other officials would do it I made sure that I worked extra hard that night I skated harder I tried to stay in the game because I missed my kids I missed my family I wanted to go home but I knew that my last game of, of that road trip had to be my best game I did not want my last game of of a 10-day road trip to be my game I didn't want that I that's a bad feeling you hop on the plane the next day and you're thinking about the the job you did the night before and you're like I wasn't very good last night and so I would always try to mentally prepare and say hey this is the most important game of your road trip now let's go home in a good note let's focus let's work hard and sometimes it would work sometimes it wouldn't there's just games where you know what like you alluded to there's there's times you call a penalty I remember a few years ago I called a penalty in Columbus and it was against Boone Jenner and it was a terrible call and as soon as I put my arm up I realized that I hadn't seen it the way that I thought that I had the whole time Columbus is on the penalty kill I'm like please kill off this penalty please kill off this penalty and they kill off the penalty and I I skate over to the next TV timeout when I had a chance, I skate over to uh, the Columbus bench and and uh, I go to Torts. I go, hey, Torts, where's Boone? And he goes, he's right there. And and he's sitting right in front of Torts. And and I said, hey, man, I said, I'm glad you killed that off. I go, that was a shitty call. And and I'm I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm really happy you guys killed it off. And and as soon as I said that, to, first of all, he said, ah, Peelzy, don't worry about it. And a couple other players are like, ah, Peelzy, thanks. You know, don't don't worry about it. They want you to be, you you can't come over three or four times in a game and say, hey, I made a call. Because they're going to be like, hey, you make a lot of calls. Like, apologizing to us all the time. But the few times that you do it throughout your career or throughout the season, it humanizes uh, you with them and they appreciate it because there are some refs that won't admit that they made a mistake and I remember 
when I said that, Torts just looked at me and he winked at me and and smiled and because he appreciated he appreciated that I recognized that I had made a mistake and and referees are human they're going to make mistakes and that's all the players want they just want honesty you can't bullshit them anymore they've got ipads on the bench they look at the play it's not like it was years ago where they couldn't look at the ipad and and they just took your word for it that it was the right call with the technology we have now you just have to be honest with them because they can look at it within them within a few seconds and know whether you Good call or a bad call yeah you always got to be right on it all the time so <laughs> it, it, it you know it makes me laugh that uh you know they were so understanding i, I was kind of thinking for a sec that they that they weren't going to be but um no. That's it... <laughs> yeah no they're good like that these guys are great great first of all i think they're the best athletes in the world but 99.9 percent of them are just tremendous human beings and 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 I always said to them, I said, hey, guys, like when things were getting a little crazy or they were yelling at me and I go over and said, hey, we're in this together. You're, you know, we've got the best players in the world. We've got the best officials in the world. We need to work together because if we work together, we'll make this the best game in the world. And it's important. You know, they look at us like, yeah, you know, he's just out there calling penalties against us. And I'd always try to develop a relationship with them that I'm not a, I'm not a bad guy just because I'm a referee. Like I'm a, I'm a human being too. And I would try to humanize it a lot with them and, and get along with the players and you, you can't get along with all of them. It's impossible. And nor can you be their friends. You, you know, you never want to be liked by everybody. You just want to be respected by everybody. I, I, I totally agree with that. You know, just having somewhat of a kind of like a, a thin line to, to stay on and keep respect to each side. I, I, I do agree with that for sure. Um, a thousand games for you throughout, throughout the NHL. Best and worst moment that you've had? That was uh, 1,362. Um, well, obviously the worst moment was my last game where I, you know, was caught on a microphone saying something that I didn't mean. Um, the best game, one of my funnest games was in, was in Madison Square Garden back in 2004 five or 2006 no sorry 2011 it was the last time uh the flyers and the rangers have ever played a game seven and i was chosen to work that game seven in madison square garden huge rivalry between the flyers and the rangers uh chris Rooney and i were working the game and an hour and a half before the game the building was shaking already because the fans were already there they were chanting let's go rangers and i remember skating out onto the ice sack going like you know, the lights are down and the people, you know, crowds going crazy as soon as they see us come on the ice. And I remember going like, this is awesome. Like, this is, this is, I'm working in Madison Square Garden. I, you know, I'm a kid that grew up in a town of a thousand people and, and I'm getting to work Flyers, Rangers game seven. So that, that, and obviously the bronze medal game in Russia would be probably, probably uh, my two biggest highlights of my career. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned there. I meant to say more than a thousand, but <laughs> obviously uh, worked, worked a little bit more than a thousand games. But I mean, uh, you know, having those moments, game sevens, Olympics, first of the career, it's, uh, it's, it's, they're, they're great moments. I mean, you know, would you, I, I do have a question. Like, do you miss it? Like, do you, do you miss like going to the rink? I, I know you, I know you said before, you know, it was, it was kind of like a toll, but like, do you miss, you know, having those lunches with your buddies, you know, before games, like that part, you know, not obviously going into it and it's maybe a little more of a, um, a, no. a tough time. I honestly don't. I can, and I can say that with all sincerity, what's happened 
with our staff, all the guys that I came up with, there's only a couple left that I really came up with. Mark Jonette's still working. This It's his last year. And he actually broke his fibula a month or month and a half ago. So he's on the shelf. This is his last year in the league. Derek Amell's retired. Brad Kovacic. Uh, the, all these guys that I came up with, you know, I, I watch a game now. We've had Dan O'Halloran's retired. He was a great referee. Dave Jackson, uh, Brad Watts, and all these guys that I came up with are all retired now. And they've there's been such a huge turnover. There's all these, there's so many young guys on our staff now that when I watch a game, I've got to look it up to see, you know, be, you know, there's a guy, uh, he was, He'll probably go in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. His name is Brian Murphy, one of the greatest linesmen ever to work in our league. And somebody's wearing his number right now, number 93. I don't even know who 93 is. I'd have to look it up. So things change, and and which is which is good. But no, I don't miss it at all. You know, these kids that are coming in now, getting hired, you know, they're 26, 27, 23, 24. You know, I'm 55. Like, I don't have anything in common with these guys, except obviously the common the commonality would be refereeing in the NHL together, but no, I, I, it was time for me to get out and, and I, I'm having so much fun. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Jamal Mayers, the ex player, him and I coach our sons together here in St. Louis. And, and uh, I'm just, that's more fun to me than working any game right now. I, I don't miss it at all. At least you can look back on the memories that you had and, you know, everything that you, that you did, right. That's, that's always the best part about it. And, you know, sometimes you just, you, you grow out of what you, you know, used to always do. And I, I can, I mean, I can feel that like, you know, you do it for such a long time and you just, like you mentioned the the toll that it takes, it's, uh, it's not for everyone to do it for the whole time for their whole life. Right. So. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's tough. Like I, 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 it's funny because just on Wednesday, I had an MRI in my hip. I got to get a hip replacement. You know, my, my body's just beat up from, from, skating for 40 50 years you know I started skating when I was four years old and we've got a lot of guys that have had to go uh had to retire because they needed knee replacements or hip replacements and you know the travel wears on you you know we don't we don't travel on a charter like the players do you know we're flying commercial and in you know a quick a quick funny little story I checked into the Anaheim Marriott a couple of years ago and this lady goes, this young lady, she probably worked at Marriott for uh, two weeks. And she goes, oh, Mr. Peel. She goes, congratulations. I see you've stayed 4,000 nights at Marriott. I go, it's pretty sad, isn't it? She goes, what do you mean? I go, well, basically, I spent 10 years of my life in a, in a Marriott hotel. And when you think about it that way, it's like, wow, like that's a lot of travel. That's a lot of nights away, you know, from your family and your friends. And, and you know, it, it's... Uh, the, the guys used to call, they used to say the NHL Ackerman uh, actually stands for no home life, not National Hockey League. And, and a lot of that is true. You know, our guys, they, we get taken care of very well by the league financially and with our benefits and pension and so on. But there's a big sacrifice to be a ref in the NHL, and that is being away from your family and missing birthday parties and miss, missing, you know, school recitals and plays and everything that, that most parents get to go first days to school and all that kind of stuff that a lot of officials 
they just miss out on it throughout their year, you know, or throughout their career. You know, my daughter's her birthday's January 20th and I'd miss her birthday every year. I'd be on the road somewhere. I'd miss Halloween. I wouldn't be home at Halloween to walk my kids around when they were at a young age. So, and I'm not saying that for people to feel sorry for you. It's not at all. It's just the reality of our job. And yeah, it's a great job, but there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make that you have to make that your family, your family sacrifices a lot for you to do what you love. You know, your the support system you have to have at home. You know, my wife, Tisha, you know, she she was the one that was taking Bronson to the rink and taking him to every practice and tournament while I was on the road and and uh, taking my daughter horseback riding and doing everything by herself because she was a single mom while I was traveling for eight months of the year. It's tough on them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had this question actually. Um you know, uh, put there right, right beside that I'm reading, but uh, you kind of answered over over the podcast is that most media talk about the players, right? You, you don't you don't really hear a lot about the referees and, you know, maybe how they're doing or what they're doing, right? You're still missing the, you're still missing a lot of time. And you need to think about like, oh, well, the players do more. Well, I mean, you're still missing a lot of time. You're still putting a lot of work in. You're still traveling. Like you said, eight nights on the road. It's a long time. And then, you know, players do that too. So missing all that valuable time is, it's a lot. And, you know, I, I think, I think talking about that is, I do appreciate that you saying that because it's, it's, it's not easy to admit that, you know, you missed all the stuff and, you know, now you're back onto it and, you know, you're coaching you with, with your son. And, and I just think that's awesome. And, you know, like, I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, you giving your time and uh, all these great stories and fun memories. It's um, I really do appreciate it. So thank you for that. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you. And that does it for another episode of Sportsology, the podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone who listens to this, and I'm so excited to release this for season two as the first episode. I know I've been gone for a while, so I do appreciate that. Like I always say, let's get back into it. New year, new season. 